morning, everyone. I want to welcome you back and <clears throat> check in with you. Uh, last time I was up here, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake, and today we really dive into a time where our Lord and Savior was literally famished. So I hope that we are on that quest for yearning for righteousness. My name's Ann Eustace, and I'm one of your eldest elders by age, but I'm happy to be here. And I had a lot of things that I had to sort through. Um, Dan was getting a little crazed by my um, variations on what to speak on today, but there was a lot. So I ended up with um, how to beat the liar and think of it like a game show in a way. Okay? And I have certainty that the way to do that is with the truth. That's God's word and God's holy power and might. So um, as a teacher, and we unpacked this narrative, there were a few things that, that stood out for me. And first is the importance of the setting. The setting in the account Dan read is the wilderness, but um, other accounts say the desert. And I think about the power of that deserted place, that wilderness. One um, blog I read said this, Although we, when we are already, are already experiencing hardship, we want to avoid the discomfort of the desert, it is, in fact, an invitation to an encounter. In the desert, God wants to speak to us. And thanks to scripture, we do know for a fact that it is in the desert where the presence of God is the most prevalent. So we know the setting of today's scripture is really important. And then I wanted you to also um, lens in, <laughs> zero in, on um, the beginning of the passage. Because Jesus is led on this 40-day retreat by the Holy Spirit. So led by the Spirit. And I believe as Jesus followers, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him in order to know what to, to do. The Luke version of this, and I know we're in Matthew, but actually says, led by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's even more important to focus on our Holy Spirit. The other thing that I noticed was that we need to work from a place of rest, and even Jesus had to do that. Times of intentional retreat are pivotal for us to hear from God. And some of you know that creating a place for actual spiritual retreat and rest is something that my husband, Alan, and I have discerned is our calling for our retirement, and we're spending the next five years trying to build out that place for, for you and for anyone who needs it. So we've got the desert, we've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got a need for retreat. I then looked at something um, that really struck me was that you notice that the only way we would know about the temptation in the desert is if Jesus had told somebody about it. And that for me was a big aha. One commentator suggested that this experience of Jesus being tempted would not have even been included in the accounts of his life and ministry unless Jesus himself revealed this to some of his followers. 
because here he is portrayed as vulnerable to the deceits of Satan. He's making himself more like us. Why would Jesus have to go to the desert for a 40-day retreat after his baptism? This writer says it's the same reason why people go on retreat today, to refocus on who they are, where they are going, and how to get there. A person's perspective about life gets blurred by all the noise and hyperactivity of life. Even Jesus needed time to understand the revelation of his own identity that was given by the voice of his father at his own baptism. Remember the voice? You are my beloved son and my favor rests on you. This exact phrase was reemphasized for us last week by Dan when we looked at the transfiguration. Believe me, I'm humbled by all this, but while I know I can't and we can't be Jesus, I did wonder if our own Lenten journeys could be about letting go of or giving up um, a false self-narrative. Could we let go of what I call the weight of the insidious imposter syndrome that seems to permeate so much of each of our lives? What would it take to let that go? I have concluded that it needs to be a journey of letting go of Satan's three big lies, these lies that are exposed in the text today. One is surrounding appetite, the second ambition, and the third approval. And what if we replaced each of those temptations, lies, with the truth, God's truth? And as we reveal the truth, we can help build for others a prophetic and discipling culture. I wanted to point out, I can't help being a teacher, but Mickey and um, Wendy and I wrote a book called A Handbook for Jesus Shaped Life, and um, we are working on getting it printed more widely, but um, in it, we reference all these things that you could do to find out more when you're interested in something, and we have one all about the temptations, and in it, we direct you to our website where Dan um, conducted two half-hour sessions in, um, way back in May and June of 2021, but it's exactly about this. So if you want to study more, I can help you with where to go. But just briefly, these three A's, appetite. Appetite is the desire for stuff, which in my experience never brings lasting fulfillment. I'm struggling currently, big reveal, that my sisters are both making these trips one went to Taos recently, one hiked across England, and they both have had time and space and money to remodel their homes. And, and I'm just like struggling because I'm like, oh, stuff, stuff would be good. The second one, the temptation that we often experience and is in our text is ambition. Ambition is the drive to get ahead and to get to the top. And Mike Breen says, getting to the top can lead to a very lonely place. The corner office on the top floor, you're by yourself. So this one I struggle with a lot, and I think it's where I fight between self-righteousness and righteousness. And, and I just really have to focus on, you know, what is it that I'm trying to strive for? And when I'm striving, it's not the right thing. Approval is our third A. And that's where we become so focused on whether we're liked. And everything we do is simply to win the approval of others. 
and it's Oscar season, so I wanted to do my Sally Field. They like me. They really, really like me. And you know that that's like where um, we get stuck because we think that we need to have somebody else approving of our course of action when we really have somebody else to listen to instead. So for my personal vignette, I wanted to go back to um, freshman year of college. I got into this elite private New England school and, and I thought that I only got in because I was Flor from Florida and a woman and um, maybe because some relatives had gone there. So I was like, you know, already struggling about how come I got in and am I the, the imposter here? And that same fall of my freshman year, I get a letter home from my mom in Florida and she writes on and on about how proud she is of me and that I'd come so far. But rather than leaving it at that, she then told me for the first time that not only was I born premature, which I knew, but that I was so sick that if I had lived, the outcome was that I would be both blind and mentally retarded. So to get that letter at that time kind of threw me for a loop. Many of you know that since then I've done a lot um, to try to get past that one. A lot of counseling, a lot of work over the years. And it was still sticking at me and, and, and really getting at me. And Dan and I talked about it recently, only about a month ago. And he said, well, what would it look like if what your mom wrote to you was actually true? What if you took away all the, the mom stuff about, you know, that was so painful, that why would she do that to hurt me? And, and realize that Maybe she meant it in a different way. Because in the letter, she also told me that she became a special education teacher because she wanted to give back to God because I lived, because I was healed. And so in the last month, I've allowed a lot of revelation to wash over me, and I feel so much inner healing because I can speak to you today. My thoughts are somewhat together. Um, I'm happy to be alive, and I'm happy to be able to serve. And all the, um, the hymns that we had preparatory to this were perfect. And thank you, Paul and band, for getting us ready for the message. I just wanted to add a few lyrics from one of my favorite contemporary hymns, the one that was from the band I Am They in 2016, and it's called Make a Way. When I have these moments of self-doubt and imposter syndrome, I go to this, these, these uh, lines. You... God, you brought me to the desert so you could be my water. You brought me to the fire so you could be my shield. You brought me to the darkness so you could be my morning light. If you brought me this far, if you brought me this far, and then you know the uh, refrain adds that he will make a way. So as we develop our, um, our path and know that there will be a way, I wanted to give you some armor for your battle. Let's dig a little bit more into the scripture for today and develop our counterattack. Because the enemy always wants to attack our own identity. And Jesus' own identity as God's son was specifically targeted in today's gospel, which, you know, the devil has a lot of nerve. So Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If 
you are the son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. So that's devil. Now Jesus' retort. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now Christ drew directly from Deuteronomy 8.3 for his response. That verse says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither he nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus was ready. Obviously, he doesn't tell the devil what chapter and verse, right? Because it's not written yet. But he knows. And we don't need to know chapter and verse. We just need to know the truth and the word. So chapter, um, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. And that comes from Psalm 91. But what's clever here is the devil's trying to, like, you know, spar with Jesus and be like, oh, I know scripture too. But what's Jesus do? Jesus said to him in verse 7, again, it is written, do not put your Lord to the test. And that's Deuteronomy 6.16. From there, the devil takes him to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor, and says, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus, he's done. Away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship your Lord, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. From Deuteronomy 6.13. And that was it. That was the stopper. You see how quickly the devil left him. Verse 11, the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Quick stop, done. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was ready for the battle. In order to get some application for us and how we can apply this for our own lives, I consulted my favorite book, My Sheep Have Ears, and I have it with me if you want to see it afterwards. And It's one of those read and reread books. In My Sheep Have Ears, um, I was able to directly connect what I left you with last month I asked you to stop some things in order to start some new things. And I know you're all working on your homework, so I don't have to ask you. But I hope it's going okay, and I'm going to ask that you take on some more homework. Okay? So for the battle, in order to confront these temptations, number one, look at the first temptation and stop focusing on what we would call the fear of lack, where you think resources are scarce. There's just not going to be enough. Instead, replace it with a start mindset. A start mindset of God the Father's abundance. He is our good, good Father, and he is generous with his gifts to all his children. Secondly, stop focusing on fear of failure, the second temptation. That one that says, I need to succeed, and others need to see me succeeding. Instead, start with a mindset of the Father's acceptance. I can find fulfillment in simple obedience, in hearing what the Father is saying to me, to us, and then doing his will. And finally, I can stop focusing on fear of rejection, that third temptation, where I have to strive and strive for approval and acceptance. Instead, replace it with a start, a start mindset of the Father's approval. My Heavenly Father loves me, and it is from him that I receive everlasting approval 
I don't need it from anybody else. Now you might think, oh, okay, three little words, right? Abundance, acceptance, approval. But it may take a long time to reframe our old ways and practices. According to the research, you know, it could take up to 10,000 hours for this new practice. But you get rid of something and you start something new. So I commend you today to get out of your own way and for me to get out of my own way, to allow for our Heavenly Father to make the way, to allow others, our friends, our family, our faith community, our life groups, to be our own angels, to minister to us as we struggle and grow, to allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit and I would say filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is how Jesus comes off the desert experience. Allow the ways of Jesus to be our secure guide to the truth. And I just wanted you to know that Dan and the other elders, Paul, Fern, we're all here to help you. And we want you to think about like, what's my area? Where do I wanna grow? Where do I wanna come out from the desert and be ready to reframe myself and, and do so with others? Who are my angels? And um, right before the service started, LaDonna said, um, could you tell people if you have a chance in your sermon about another angel project we have going? So she's working in the NICU and folk in our church are, are doing little um, infant hats. And so if anybody wants to see the sample or wants to see LaDonna, that's another project that's going on now. The ones I know the best are life groups and I brought my clipboard if anybody wants to know. We've got six of them going and you can always start your own and there's room in all of them for new people. And um, that's a place where we try to grow in the word and be with each other in prayer. And then Neighbor to Neighbor is my other ministry uh, lead place. So with Kathy Miller, we're working again and we almost have the exact date for spring break backpacks, but we know we have over 100 packs to pack for spring break for the students that go to school next door at Waterloo Elementary. But whatever it is, I know that you're gonna hear what I said differently than I intended it, but I hope that you hear it and can build on it in a way that works for you. So I think that I'll just end with a quick prayer and then we'll have a, a responding song. The band wants to come up. So thank you, Lord, uh, for this day, for this scripture, for my friends and family here. Pray for those who need healing of the imposter syn syndrome and help us each prod each other along to get over ourselves and out of our own way. May this day be one where we can hear what you're saying so clearly that we know what to do in your son's holy name. Amen.